0: The Matt Wyatt Show podcast is made possible by Mississippi Land Bank. Buying or selling. Make sure you go there first. Online at mslandbank.com. That's Mississippi Land Bank, where they understand the lay of the land in North Mississippi. Hey, hey, let's go. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau Insurance across the state of Mississippi in all 82 counties available to you. Hometown heroes—that's your local Farm Bureau Insurance agent. Thanks for tuning in. What's up, y'all? It's a Tuesday of game week. Can you? Are you still uh, like just amazed that it is actually here? That for the SEC, it is game week. I mean, does it feel like game week?
1: yeah it does to me
0: feels that way to you,
1: oh yeah, absolutely, man. The weather especially makes it feel that way,
0: yeah, the weather definitely has something to do with it in terms of you know it, it you know because normally we've played two, three games by now in the blazing hot sun, yep, right, and now we're gonna play our first game after the nice weather arrives, maybe ought maybe we ought to do this every year. Has anybody a brought bad that idea. up?
1: yeah kind of like bringing the bringing back the old time for school. The day yeah. after Labor Day? Yeah, the day after Labor instead Day. Instead of starting July?
0: Mm-hmm. I think our calendars have gotten all fouled up. Now, I didn't necessarily come in here wanting to start the show this way, but now that we're on it, <laughs> JB, look.
1: I agree 100%, man.
0: So college baseball, its calendar is all fouled up, and that yeah. sort of starts the spring schedule, which bleeds over into the fall. If we look at the calendar year in college sports, really in sports in general, but let's just look at college. See, basketball bleeds over from the fall. It starts in the fall, comes into the spring. Basketball's fine. It's an indoor sport. It doesn't matter. But as far as outdoor stuff, we've got college baseball starting in February. Right. It's it's so nasty and cold in the deep south in February. We're playing games with sub-freezing temperatures.
1: (laughs) Okay? Always great to hit a ball off the handle when it's 45.
0: Yeah. So no wonder... Teams in, let's say, Big Ten states, Michigan, Ohio, they're not playing any baseball in February. They're having a hard time getting games and practices in outdoors in March. Okay, let alone Colorado. Okay, so you're, because of the calendar for college baseball, you've eliminated, you know, a lot of the country in the early part of the year. So why not back it all up? You grab, uh, some of the attention of, People who are sports fans during the summer and, you know, they get into July, all they have is what? Major League Baseball. Well, what if you took college baseball into July? It might help the sport to grow. And push it all back. You know, start practice at the beginning of September instead of the beginning of August. Start the games in October. (laughs) I don't know. I'm just saying, if you're asking me. Now, I'm a person who is, I'm cold nature. means I get cold very easily. I don't like the cold. I like the hot. Um, I'm out going, you know, for a walk in the neighborhood yesterday and today, JB, in this cool air. You know, I, I'm thinking to myself, I actually enjoyed this better when it was really hot and the sun just beating down on me at about 98 degrees. I like that better when I'm out there trying to get exercise. Yeah, because you sweat. Yeah. You want to, yeah. You, you get a sweat going, you get loose quicker, you know? So, but having said that, I think sitting on metal seats with a (laughs) a concrete base in a football stadium, you would rather sit there and need to find a way to warm up. Facing the West. As opposed to sitting there and trying to find a way not to die from heat stroke, which is what we get in the first few weekends in September. Which leads me to my next point. Do you believe in global warming or not? I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. I did not I, – I just threw that out there just for effect. I don't want to talk about that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I don't blame you. Anyway, so – It's getting kind of cool in here.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, it is great weather for sure. It is absolutely great weather uh, out, outside. Inside, okay. I can't speak to that. It depends on what your wife wants to keep the thermostat on, whether it's nice inside or not. All right. So, hey to y'all. Anybody can text me. Y'all hit me up on the uh, Divini – Equipment phone line nine nine five one zero five nine. That's a six zero one number. Nine nine five one zero five nine. Uh, kind of dressed up today, man. Well, I just looked for a clean shirt, the first one I had, and this is actually my favorite out. hat that I've gotten from. Uh, You're looking quite sporty. Yeah, I kind of look like a frat guy. I no, mean, I, I do no when I too. put this hat on. This is actually my favorite hat that I've gotten from the Mississippi State University golf course. Right. And it's really simple. It's thin, but it covers my whole head. You know, when it gets cool, I need something to cover my bald head. Yeah. But the only logo is just the little, the little, um, bulldog silhouette logo on the front of it. Yeah. I love it. Man. Yeah. So that's my favorite hat. So I threw that on there with this nice clean shirt with the baseball logo. So I'm totally decked out in gear today that came from. The Mississippi State University Golf course. I'm going
1: to have to let my uh, kids know about that. That looks like a good tandem for a Christmas present
0: for me. There you go. Yeah. There That's you go. Cool. I like that hat. It is. It's, you know, I like it because it's floppy and thin. Yeah. It's, it's not a big... Not like a trucker's hat? Yeah. So it's not <laughs> stiff, you know? And so it's really soft on my bald head. And it covers it. Kind of forms to the shape of my head. Yeah. Perfect.
1: Those are the best kind.
0: Amen. Here is a message on Facebook from Eric that says, I don't know, Matt, that Arkansas game in 2000 was completely miserable in the sleet and freezing rain. think I'd rather be sweating. Now, would you? Think about that now. <laughs> think about it. <clears throat> Let's see. What did we get here on the text line? Speaking of, the Country Pleasing Sausage text line, 885-3776. If you want to text me, text away. i read it on the air. 885-3776. Uh, Jackson Mailman said, calendars are all screwed up, just like still having daylight savings time. Yeah, and that's coming in a month. Been trying to explain that to my daughter. Bates, what does Bates want? I should know what Bates wants every time he texts me before I even read it. Uh, he said, Dear Mr. Wyatt, are you sure, Bates, that this isn't, um, Gator Greg disguised as Bates? Because he's calling me Mr. Wyatt. You know, Beaver calls me Matt Wyatt, and the whole name, no matter the scenario. Gator Greg always calls me Mr. Wyatt. And Bates says, you, he says, dear Mr. Wyatt, with SEC kicking off on Saturday, everybody fired up about Coach Prime. You know what we all need? Some neck by the sonic boom. Thank you in advance. Well, you're welcome, Bates. You get it. And I can actually read you a few headlines, too, while you listen to the sonic boom. Hey, J.B., how about the sonic boom marching into the arena in front of the police escort yesterday? Was that not awesome?
1: Yeah, I mean, that whole scenario is kind of... Like we said when we first found out about it, who would have thunk it? I know. Right? I know. Kiffin, Leach, and now... Prime,
0: prime, (laughs) prime, prime time. Hey, look, my in-laws, you know, my in-laws live in Vicksburg, so their local news they get is all Jackson stations. And my mother-in-law called me last night, and she said, I just want you to know that the news is 20 minutes into their newscast, and they've talked about nothing but Deion Sanders
1: (laughs) the whole time. He was on this morning when I got up to head out to Live Oak. (laughs) That's
0: great. It's going to be fun, for sure. See how it goes. they got work to do now. And i got a feeling, meanwhile, Alcorn, who's been winning and winning and winning and has players and established program and established coaching staff, connections throughout the state, sitting there going, Uh uh-oh. We're not going anywhere. No, no. (laughs) Alcorn, trust me, they're saying we're not going anywhere. Yeah, Yeah, trust
1: me. Bring it on.
0: All right. Walking bully is on the Divinity equipment phone, but when I first got the message from JB, he typed walking boom. You
1: know what was on my mind? <laughs> I
0: know exactly. <laughs> you ever have that happen? Like where you're oh, thinking yeah. one thing, you're trying to type something else, and what you type is what you were thinking. It's crazy how that works. Okay. He's not walking boom. Maybe he is, but he's actually walking bully on the DaVinci equipment phone. What's up, walking bully?
2: Well, I've been called worse than walking through, sure. I guess.
0: I'm sure so, you have.
2: <laughs> uh, Matt, I remember when we were, when you were doing the, uh, the film review yeah. sessions last year, the, the one in Jackson, uh, I went to at Char and you talked about a little bit about alignment with Moorhead and a lot of times they ran, uh, the, their receivers, they run real tight splits to the line and we mm-hmm. talked about protection and, and what mm-hmm. that does for a quarterback and what it does for seeing protection and uh, identifying pressures. I wonder your viewpoint on, you know, cause leech is the opposite, not just spreading the field, but also the O line split in terms of, uh, do you think that helps the quarterback identify pressures and, uh, you know, see the field or do you think it hampers it
0: more? Okay. So specifically to the splits of the offensive linemen. Uh, right, because game.
2: I mean, it seems like to me that the defensive linemen are lining up, whether it's a you know three technique, one technique, four, five, whatever. Right. On you know, according to where those splits are, uh, mm-hmm. and then you're, it seems like to me it'd be easier to identify where everybody is and where your your pressures are coming. from.
0: Yeah, um, it's there's a little give and take in there. In that, okay, yes, it it spreads everything out, so it is a little easier sometimes to see bodies. It also is a little easier. Sometimes for you know, depending on their responsibility when linemen are gonna pass things off. Like if I get you know, I'm let's say I'm a d I'm an offensive guard, okay, and you've got a three technique, technically, defensive tackle, which is you're the guard and he's just over your outside shoulder, okay? Towards the the tackle, towards the end. So he's on that shoulder. But in this particular protection scheme, maybe they've told me You know, I'm going to block this guy one on one to my outside, but if somebody comes on my inside gap, I'm going to pass him off, the outside guy off, and I'm going to take the inside gap blitzer, right? Well, if we're not all bunched in there together, it may be a little easier for me as a lineman to identify whether I've got somebody coming in that gap or not. Might make it a little harder for me to get to him, but from the mental standpoint, it might be a little easier to read. I think that's accurate what you're saying. For the quarterback, for the quarterback, there is some truth to it also. If I can spread everybody out a little bit, and now I can kind of see things a little better. Uh, pre-snap. Okay. In the box. Pre-snap. You know, and in a passing offense like this, a lot of the pre-snap read stuff, walk and bully, yes, you're reading the box, but your primary stuff is you're looking at safeties to determine the coverage. That's most of your pre-snap stuff. So the reason I said there's a little give and take is because, say, for instance, um, You know, let's say if you're in a protection where we're going to keep the running back in in protection. So instead of just five linemen, now we're going to have six, which includes the running back. And if his responsibility is one of those inside linebackers, you know, there's more room. Since we've got bigger splits, there's more room for that linebacker to blitz in there one side or the other. And it might be a little harder on that running back to step up in there and hit him. You see what I'm saying? So there's give and take in all of it. But one thing I like about it as a quarterback is if we're spread out wider, if we've got more if we got a farther distance between each lineman, by the time we get out to those tackles, they are that much farther away from me, which means the defensive ends are also farther away from me. See, I don't know if you can pair I don't know if you can boil it all down to that one single thing, but I do know that's important. We know we're gonna drop back and throw it. Right? So, over the course of the ball game, if I can make both defensive ends, if they're going to rush me from the outside, even if they don't line up in like a wide nine, they're going to be tighter to my tackles. If I just make them have to go two to three feet farther every time they rush me to get to me, that's going to accumulate and add up over the course of the game. And it's just harder for them to get there before I can get it off in that 2.3 seconds if they're farther from me. Does that make sense? It, and, does. And, and it does. And that's a big key to it. So if those ends, if I because of my alignment on line, the, why are they lining up to the outside? You go, well, why don't they just line up closer? Well, they don't want to do that. They want to make sure if whoever's got that outside containment, whoever's supposed to be setting the edge okay, on defense, they've got to be outside of where our edge is. If he lines up inside, we'll just run outside. There's nobody out there. He's got to be outside my tackles. So if my tackles are farther away, they have to be farther away. Now they have that much farther to go to get to me as a quarterback. That's a big reason they do it because they know they're going to be dropping back 60 times a ball game, right? So there's give and take. Nothing is perfect, but for what they're going to do, spreading them out, it will help with identifying, you know, who we're blocking and how. And it will help you in that over the course of the game, those ends got to go a lot farther to get to the quarterback. Does that help?
2: Yeah, that makes sense. And, and I'll spin that, spin that around the other side of the ball and then I'll hang up. But, uh, from a defensive line standpoint, I know you've gotten to watch some scrimmages. Um, and I heard Cromity on one of the player interviews after practice the last week or two. And uh, and he made a statement, I'm paraphrasing, made a statement about when he was asked how he likes the, the new defense. And he said, as opposed to like holding the point, you know, as a defense, as an interior defensive tackle, uh, It's more slanting into gaps and getting Mm -hmm. in the backfield. And, uh, I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Have you seen that at, at, uh, you know, when you've been able to watch practice or scrimmages and kind of the difference between, I guess philosophically between or schematically between, uh, using your defensive lineman to hold point and let backers scrape versus just shooting gaps. And that kind of speaks to our net. Yeah. Defensive philosophy.
0: Yeah. Um, without, you know, again, getting like, I guess, super technical on that one, walking bully, it's a preference thing, and it, it's a deal where like coaches will look at their personnel and decide, okay, this is what we need to do. Um, if you're going to be an attacking defense, then what are you going to do? You're going to what? Attack, right? We're going to find a way to come get you. We're not just going to sit here and hold our ground and figure out a way to. To not let you advance. No, no, it, this is, it's not like we're holding our ground in battle. No, we're actually attacking. We're coming into your territory. So, right, in order to do that, you're not going to hold gaps. You're going to try to attack them. You're going to try to foul up their blocking scheme. So when you do those, you do a lot of slants and twists, you are going to give up some plays in the run game because somebody's going to block you and now there's nobody in that gap. You're going to, give up cutbacks sometimes. If you lose outside contain, we're slanting one way, we don't get contained, back, cuts back, teams are going to run counter and pop it outside. That'll happen some. But also you're going to get more tackles for loss. If that's your style and that's what you're coaching on, you're going to get more tackles for loss. And so it's a little bit more of a risk-reward in that type of scheme. But when you're doing it out of three defensive linemen, and three linebackers or four linebackers, including that, that fourth, whatever that personnel is, then it's, I think, a little easier to set the edge and not give up the cutbacks because the, the edge protection of the cutback is coming from the next level. Anyway, it's just a thought on that. I think ultimately any defensive coach, <clears throat> you have an idea of what you want to be. If you have like legitimate NFL personnel on that defensive front, A lot of times what you're going to do is you you don't have to risk as much as shooting gaps and running twists. What They're going to just take a double team, push them right back in a quarterback's lap, and then that leaves our linebackers free to run around. But if you don't have that dominant defensive front, you may have to do a little bit of of, uh, slanting and twisting and figuring out ways to, to be a slanting front where we can try to penetrate and mess you up every now and then. You know, You may make eight on first down. You convert on second down. Come back, it's first and 10, and now, boom, we get you tackle for loss. Now it's second and 15. You know, so it's a little bit more risk and risk reward. And I really appreciate the call. And somebody else did too, Walking Bully. Let's see here. Unnamed Texter said, Walking Bully was a great call. There you go. Hats off to you. All right, look at all these texts. Let me get into these, and then we're going to come back in four minutes, in about four minutes, and we're going to talk about the Saints. What happened? why it happened, and what it means going forward. I said on yesterday's show I thought the Saints were the best team in the NFC. Well, maybe not. Maybe they just got beat. But we'll talk about that coming up. Jason in Flagstaff, Arizona, says, Yep, game week after being about eight minutes from not having college football at all is amazing. (laughs) He says, I will not complain about anyone's COVID precautions. If they decide to put coaches and staff in bubble wrap, I'm for it as long as they're playing football. Well, and speaking of that, Jason, um, I saw the, the tweet earlier, and JB sent me a link. We'll bring this up at some point, but the SEC is using a, a certain technology where every player is going to be wearing a really small device that allows them to kind of track I'm sorry, track. COVID stuff, do a better job of contact tracing, and all do it analytically. It's pretty cool. I think they're doing it in the NFL also. But they're going to do that in the SEC. Every player is going to have one. we can going learn a little bit more about what that is. Um, State grad 98 said, so global warming brought on the coronavirus? <laughs> Bates is not Gator Greg. He's confirmed that. He is indeed Bates. <laughs> Got it. Now, how about this? Raider Nation sent us something this morning on the uh, country-pleasing text. He's feeling good about himself. Since entering the NFL in 2014, Derek Carr is one of just five quarterbacks. to have 20,000 passing yards, 125 or more passing touchdowns, and fewer than 65 interceptions. The other four, Tom Brady, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, and Drew Brees. Pretty good company. Yeah, I'd say he's pretty solid there, and he played really well in the second half, and that was after getting hit and sacked and everything in the first half. He just hung in there and played and played. Uh, Paul is watching on the YouTube live stream. He says, what time is the game? Saturday, Mississippi State at LSU is a 2.30 Central time kickoff. It'll be the uh, CBS game uh, this week. The bald guy texts us, and he said, how funny would it be if they told Deion Sanders that he had to live close to campus? <laughs> Oh, I'm sure he wouldn't have a problem with it. Kobe says, you think Jay Hobson to come to JSU and run the offense? Well, Jay is... Um,
1: he's a defensive guy, isn't
0: he? Yeah, he he was a defensive coordinator at places like Michigan and Memphis and others.
1: And it, that was my understanding. Played yeah, defense. That's correct. I think so. uh, rumor's out that he talked to Herbert Davis about coming in and being the O.C. Rumor? Rumor, rumor, rumor.
0: Coach, Coach Davis uh, would never call a reverse on his own five-yard line when he's trying to bleed out the clock. I know that much. <laughs> Y'all stick around. <laughs> All right. We're actually just getting started with you here on this Tuesday. Live in the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Uh, Matt JB is here. Most importantly, you are here. You can call me like Walking Bully did on the Divinity Equipment phone line, 995 1059. 995 1059. Or text me like Nick did on the Country Please and Text line, Country Please and Sausage on grocery store shelves throughout the Southeast. It is the best sausage. You've ever had. It's made fresh daily. They mix the spices fresh daily. They don't use sawdust or chips to smoke the sausage in the smokehouses. It's real hickory logs that are split on site every day at Country Meat Packers right there in Florence. Right on Highway 49. There's no parts. There's no stuff that goes into the sausage. It is hand-picked hams, bacons, and pork loin. (laughs) Make your tongue slap your hat off. Nick texts me on the country pleasing text line 885-3776. He said the hottest game I've ever been to was the Alcorn State-Mississippi State game a few years ago. He said the ice in my cup melted before I got to my seat. <laughs> that's pretty bad. That's terrible. JB, because your ice melts before you even get to your seat and your drink, and then you got a watered-down drink.
1: Yeah, that's why I just usually don't. You know, try not to drink anything at all when it's really hot. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, man. Speaking of sausage, I don't know if you knew this. I I I didn't know if I could say anything yesterday, and I found out when I got to the studio today that it'd be all right. But yesterday when I got in here, we had an ice chest in the studio. Yeah. And in that ice chest Mm -hmm. was a bunch of uh, deer sausage, jalapeno cheese, cheese plain. I mean. Mm -hmm. Uh, ground deer, and some deer steaks. Yeah. And uh, it, it's my understanding that those deer steaks are only available to you for a limited amount of time.
0: Yeah, well, and that's true. Um, I'm going to be down that way on Friday. I don't think I'm um, going to be there for the show, but I will be down that way, so I'm to have to pick them up then. Yeah, you better get them because Beef
1: said, Chicken yeah. Hawk said, if, if you don't pick them up in time, <laughs> then, then Beef can have
0: them. Yeah, he's right, and rightfully so. I don't want to waste it. Right. Uh look and and that's it um Chicken Hawk dropped off some uh deer sausage last year yeah and inclu- including some that was maple flavor
1: and, I think there uh, may be one of those in this uh this thing right
0: now Hey it was fine now you got to cook it a little differently because of sugar in it right So you know it'll it'll burn quicker if you're not careful I guarantee if you come by here
1: and pick those uh deer steaks up those morgan boys after they have <laughs> victory they'll know how to cook them
0: oh did you just predict a win for warren central on friday i did all I right sure did. so it's on I'm the record the vikings
1: he's, he's taking the vikings.
0: the vikings over the germantown what?
1: mavericks germantown mavericks. mavericks okay
0: germantown mavericks
1: yeah got it i think the boys in the viking land will be a a uh, a it, it, it'll be a nordic
0: tribe For the Mavericks to take it. I got you. (laughs) That's good. White Denzel said, Matt, can you tell me why the Booger McFarland vehicle was on the sideline last night? Lucky that Abram wasn't hurt. You're right. It was way too close. I understand you got carts over there that shuttle the camera back and forth behind the sideline. But having it down there next to the pylon, literally six feet from it, while plays going on, was just completely stupid. They were really lucky that Jonathan Abram didn't get hurt. They're lucky that they learned that lesson without somebody getting hurt, and now they can try to avoid it. The real Eric said the Seahawks and Packers are the two best NFC teams. So, after watching the Saints last night, 34 24, 10 point loss, you know, they built a pretty significant lead in the ballgame, um, and then allowed uh, the Raiders, the Raiders, to come back and tie it at halftime, 17 17 and then get outscored in the second half. Just couldn't do anything in that third quarter of the ballgame. Raiders went in there and took the lead, never gave it back up. 34-24 the final. So, Saints go to 1-1, Raiders go to 2-0.
1: Jonathan Abram, he kind of impressed me. He's kind of got a little uh, George Atkinson or Jack Tatum in him a little bit. That dude is
0: shot out of a cannon. (laughs) I'm telling you. And look, say what you want, but he was a big part of the second half for them because they used him in so many different ways. Right. There were a couple of times where their defense got off the field, and part of the reason they did is they hurried Drew Brees, and it was Jonathan Abram blitzing off the edge, and there was a couple of times he didn't even come free. Like, they blocked him. But because he was coming, Brees rushed his throw, and you almost never see that. Um, and so that happened some in that second half. Look, let me give you some overalls. I got to hear a portion of the gridiron with Chris Brooks earlier, and I thought he nailed it. <laughs> And the way that he saw it, and broke down the, you know, the things that, you know, contributed to the loss the most. I also heard Luvier call into Brooks, and I thought he nailed it too. Now he's emotional because he's a big Saints fan, but I thought they nailed it. One was looking at Drew Brees. Chris said this. I agree. He said it's not like he went out there and lost the game for you. I mean, he did have the pick before half. It was big. They're trying to drive. You know, it was big. Allowed him to tie it up. But he goes twenty six of thirty eight, throws for three twelve and a touchdown and a pick. I mean, you know, had a lot better days, but there have been a lot worse days. And he was right and he said it's not that he didn't go out he didn't go out and lose the game for you. It's just he didn't go out and win it for you. And and over the last ever how many years, Drew Brees goes out and wins games for you. And he just didn't do he just wasn't able to do that. The other thing was after the slow start for the Raiders after about the first six, seven minutes of the game, J B just my naked eye said, and I said it out loud watching it a couple of times. The Raiders are just playing harder. Yeah. They just want it they just they act like they play. They, I watched They played Josh, like their coach. Exactly right. <laughs> they played and coached as if they just wanted the game a little more. Yeah. They were more aggressive, they were more physical after they got down.
1: Yeah, I, made I mean a comment and, to my son, I said you know, it it takes a while for a team to develop the character and the attitude of its coach, yeah. and you can see the difference between them last year and this year. It, it is night and day.
0: Well, yeah, and you know what else too? Talking about coaching. Listen, the Saints got out coached. Yeah. They squarely got out coached when they were on defense. Mm-hmm. The Raiders' offense and their offensive staff now. It takes Derek Carr to make it work, who I thought was outstanding. 28.
1: The tight end wasn't half bad. <laughs> well, that's the thing, though.
0: It all centered around the tight end, Darren oh, they, Waller. Half the yeah. country, half the country yeah. watching this game going, Who is Darren Waller? Yeah. Well, he played at Georgia Tech. He's a hybrid and he caught 12 balls for 103 yards. But here's the thing. And they couldn't tackle him either. They couldn't tackle him after he caught it. But here's what they were doing they're targeting him getting him in any matchup they wanted. okay. Yes, at some point in the game, they found out the Saints don't have anybody that can cover him. Mm. But at, but you notice he wasn't just going off in the first three series of the ballgame. It took him about a quarter to figure out, wait a minute, they don't have anybody that can cover him. Now, he's their leading receiver last year. They know what they have in this player. It's just they go into this game with the Saints. They're respecting their personnel. Well, after about three series, there wasn't any respect anymore. They realized... Let's just, We're going to get him in the slot. We get him lined up on any of their two safeties or any of their linebackers. Yeah. Let's get him the ball. And they cannot cover him. So they just go like to him and go to him and go to him.
1: Right, just like the Saints used to do when they had Jimmy Graham.
0: Just like that, when nobody could match up with him. And then what do they do? In their most crucial plays on third downs and on the goal line, they used him as a decoy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he caught all those balls, caught one touchdown. Okay? Zay Jones gets one catch. It's for a score. Ingold, the back, gets two catches. One of them is for a score. They used him as a decoy in the goal line to move defenders out of the way and then just kind of taking candy sort of thing. They totally, John Gruden and his staff had the Saints defense on a string starting in the second quarter. And then to go back to the physical part of it, I felt like, that Raiders defense fed off of Jonathan Abram and his aggressiveness and physical nature.
1: Oh, I have no doubt, man. That's why I made the reference to Jack Tatum or George Atkinson. Right. I mean, he was just a bolt of lightning just about every time he did something.
0: And on, was... the, uh, on the other side of the ball, J.B.? Yeah. The most physical guy on the field who played the hardest was Josh Jacobs, a running back. For the Raiders, oh, yeah. yeah, okay. He set. He started in the second quarter, setting the tone for his offense, and they became more physical. I thought that. Game See, I think was that's what the Saints need. I,
1: I think the Saints need a running back like a Josh Jacobs or someone of that caliber, mm. because Kamara, Kamara
0: can't. I mean, he, I, I just don't think he's that
1: that type of back.
0: Did they I mean, have he, it in Mark Ingram and let him get gone?
1: I I think so, but I think they probably thought Mark was kind of washed up, and he's kind of flourished in this this system up there with Harbaugh. Yeah. But um, but you know that's I, I kept saying last night over and over to to my wife who could care less because they were big stupid's, you know, can't believe the Saints are losing, you know, and I said they need a bigger running back.
0: Mm. They, they need, some need some physicality. Need some physicality. Yeah. Kamara Kamara finished with seventy nine yards and a couple of TDs. And if you notice, like there, Latavius Murray gave him three carries for 14. It wasn't so much that Camara was having a good ball game; he was a leading receiver for the Saints. Also, you're right, John. It's just they didn't have a change of pace at any point. Now, somebody text, I mean, message on Facebook here or commented on Facebook and said Breeze's arm looks old. There a lot of talk about that. Look, he's 40, 41. His arm is not what it was five years ago. Is it good enough to go win? Yeah. It is. And, yes, early in the game, he missed some. But he's still good enough to go win. They've just got to be more physical on defense. They. Um,
1: That's the key to me, I think. That, you know, everybody could be chicken little about yeah. their breeze. That ain't going to happen. Their defense is porous.
0: They've got to be more physical on defense. You run up against some of these other teams you're going to face... There's some more Josh Jacobs and Darren Wallers out there, I promise you. You Y'all stick around. All right, back with you. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio, Farm Bureau Insurance. Go! With the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau. Coming up in 20 minutes from right now, if everything goes according to plan, we're going to chat with Shane Matthews, former Florida quarterback. First, though, he was a star at Pascagoula High School and then went on to be an All-American at Florida, an NFL draft pick, started a bunch of games for the Bears. And uh, we'll talk with uh, Shane, maybe look ahead to Gators and Rebels coming up this weekend in Oxford, kicking around the SEC East, that kind of thing, see what he thinks about it. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, That should be fun. Also, in minutes, we'll have our uh, first of two today head-to-head matchup previews. Presented by Matt Anderson with National Land Realty. That'll be coming up. So we'll head over to winzipedia.com. Winsipedia.com and check out one of the matchups here. uh, Historical matchup between a couple of SEC teams that are going to square off this weekend. That's all coming up. First, though, real quick, let me go uh, real quick through some of the text messages and then I'm coming to the phone. The real Eric says is Jonathan Abrams, the modern day Ronnie Lott. Well, could be. Is he the same size or, or was Lot a little bigger?
1: Lot's a little bigger. I was thinking so. about 6'2", 220. Yeah. The, uh, what do you call it? The prototypical, uh, strong safety of his, his day.
0: Yeah. Right. And, and, and look, Abram, I mean, he's, he's kind of prototypical for his day and that is hybrid. You know, Lot could cover people, but he had to play more against the run. You had to be bigger. Uh, you had to play more against the run than you do nowadays. Unnamed Texas said, Matt, I may have missed if discussed, but could you comment on the depth chart at MSU with London at safety? Uh, at the very least, hats off to the guy for his hard work. Uh, London Craft, they've been really high on him, and he's made plays and tackled well and plays really hard, outworks people. Uh, just has a, he he's just got a different kind of motor. He's put pressure on everybody at that position. And he's gone out there and earned it. That's what I understand about it. And he's a guy, it's not like he didn't have ability. You know, played at IMG. Made a lot of plays. And felt like he was under-recruited and found a place that gave him a shot so he could go and prove it. And right now, uh, he's proven it. So, yeah, hats off to him. I love those kinds of stories. But again, I mean, it's not just feel good. The guy's been the best at that position. And he can run, and he's big, and he thumps. Let's see here. Divinity Equipment phone line, Davinny Equipment, Madison and in Jackson. Rebel red and blue on the Divinity phone. What's up, Rebel red and blue? Hey, man, how are you? Just right.
3: On the Saints defense, one thing I haven't heard really touched on that I've noticed my observation in the first two ballgames. Yeah. I agree they need to be a little more aggressive and and tough, but I'm not so sure this defense is, I don't want to say, not real talented. I I think they're, they're wanting, and the reason I say that is because look at the first two weeks at the penalties they're getting. And when you're getting, you know, they've had a good many pass interference calls, um, and in that critical times, they how many times last night did they keep a drive alive for the Raiders on a on a penalty? And you know, Matt, you played ball. A lot of times when your defense are getting a lot of penalties, uh, they're overcompensating for a shortfall.
0: For something, yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: And and I'm not so sure the secondary for the Saints is not the weak link. Yeah, I hate to say that. But I know, little really everybody the
0: and everybody's so high on Adam Moore, you know, and and maybe rightfully so, but it's not, it's that's just one guy. You're right about the penalties, and in that game last night, it was huge. You're talking about um, <clears throat> a difference in over a hundred yards. Saints at ten penalties for one twenty nine, and you had the Raiders sitting there at three for thirteen. So you know, a big difference. You look at total yards, the Saints outgained them, right? You, you know, in terms of moving the ball on offense, you look at throwing the ball, the Saints out through them. You look at running the ball, the Raiders only ran the ball for four more yards than the Saints did. But a huge difference. And they both were three out of four in the red zone. But a big difference in the penalty category. Three for 13 against the Raiders, 10 for 129 yards went against the Saints last night. That's a good point. R- really appreciate the call. Thank you. He's got a great point, you know, in two weeks. And look, it's two weeks. That's the other thing. This is not a normal season. It has not been a normal preseason or, or camp. So if we look out there and go, well, tackling's been poor. Okay. Uh, that that's one thing I expect. Well, some teams that maybe didn't have as physical of a camp for whatever reason. Maybe the guys got banged up. Maybe the guys got COVID. You know, I don't know. Maybe, so they're having more penalties. Well, okay. This is a year where, I heard a former player, I think it was uh, yesterday, well, I don't remember who it was. It was a former NFL player doing an interview yesterday, and he said, oh yeah, by week two you know who you are. You know, you kind of are what you, no. This is a former player who hadn't played in years. He never went through an NFL season where they had no preseason games. Sure, you kind of know where you are in week two of the regular season normally because you played technically six ball games, including four in the preseason. You don't have any of that now. So any of these teams, you look at, okay, well, they have this issue or they have that issue. The Cowboys did something unheard of on Saturday, on, on Sunday. They fumbled the ball four times in the first quarter, lost three of them. Surprise, surprise. None of them got hit for four preseason games leading up to it. Practices haven't been as physical. (laughs) There's all kinds of stuff. So we're going to have to get to week four, week five before we really know. Anybody writing the Saints off would be crazy, but we look at it and go, okay, well, here were their issues. I just got news for you. I don't think Drew Brees is... One of their quote-unquote issues. Well, he's losing his arm strength. No. Well, yeah, well, of course. Okay. Yeah. His arm isn't as strong as it was five years ago. Does he have a dead arm? No.
1: That's kind of funny. Does he have a dead arm?
0: No. He didn't have a dead <laughs> arm. He's, he can go beat you right now. They have to play better on defense. They need to be more physical on both sides. And they better figure out how to cover some tight ends. They sure couldn't cover that one last night. That's for sure. All right, here we go. Head-to-head matchup preview presented by Matt Anderson. Let's do it. Yeah, that's a little war eagle for you. I'm going to head over here to winzipedia.com. That's winsipedia.com. Check out this matchup between Auburn and Kentucky. Head-to-head matchup preview brought to you by Matt Anderson Properties with National Land Realty. He can help you buy or sell that piece of property. He's got the 360 degree interactive drone touring. Look at the property before you ever get there. Matt Anderson, 601 408 5155, 408 5155. Look at this lopsided matchup historically. Auburn and Kentucky. Auburn leads the series 26 to 6. <laughs> 26 to 6 there's one tie Birmingham Alabama 1955 a 14 to 14 tie at Legion Field I guess Legion Field in 55 Who was it <laughs> Kentucky's coach in 55 was Blanton Collier and Auburn's coach Shug Jordan all right so outside of that it's been all Auburn in this series 26 to 6 the history between these two schools um Largest margin of victory for Kentucky was back in 1964 when they beat Auburn 20 to nothing. They have never, Kentucky never, out of the six wins, has never won two in a row. Now, the longest win streak in the series for Auburn was from 1967 until 2005. They won 15 in a row against Kentucky. Largest margin of victory for Auburn in the series was when they beat Kentucky 48 to 7. Back in 1967, so you got to go back to 2009, okay? 2009, Rich Brooks and Kentucky went to Auburn and beat Gene Chiswick and Auburn 21 to 14. Since then, they've played twice. Auburn won in 2010 with Cam Newton. They went to Lexington and beat Joker Phillips, Kentucky team 37 34. And then uh, in 2015, is the last time they played. Auburn won that one in Lexington. That was Gus Malzahn beating Mark Stoops' team 30 to 27. So they've had close games when they've played here the last two times, but they're really spread out because of the rotation uh, in the league and all that. You know, they just haven't played a whole lot. Like you say, I mean, they played in 2015, 2010, and nine. Before that, you'd have to go back to 2005, 2004. Prior to 2004, they played in '95, so you had basically a 10-season, nine-year, 10-season gap between when they played, and so they just haven't played each other a whole bunch. And they're going to play this weekend, and this is one of those where you look at it and you go, "Man, I, I know Auburn is the, and Auburn should win. They're at home, they're a high-ranked team, they've recruited a little better, but Kentucky's a good football team." How well-oiled is that offensive machine with Terry Wilson back at quarterback? And Auburn has had all these guys mispracticed because of COVID. And I could easily see Kentucky having their act together and going in there and winning that game this weekend. And nobody batting an eye at it. I think it's a heck of a matchup. That head-to-head matchup preview from winzapedia.com brought to you by Matt Anderson Properties with National Land Realty. Hour 2 coming up, we'll talk to Shane Matthews. Stick around.